0: Part of the Old Testament, besides being prophetic and all kinds of teaching mechanisms, is a bit of a school teacher to say, let me show you what holiness is and what my standards are and go ahead. Go ahead and work your way to heaven. And when you all finally admit that you can't do it, that you can't be good enough, you can't keep it well enough, you're going to fall short, we come into a problem like, okay, I tried. Uh, This is not working out. I'm really, really scared. I'm really, really tired. I can't do this. And that's where we can celebrate. And the lens points to this in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus is kind of saying there is I have done the work. I have done the work that you could not do. The work is finished. You can rest in me. The second thought there was for us to understand and to celebrate that Jesus did the work that we could never do, the work that would exhaust us, and in our exhaustion, we would fall painfully short. It's nothing like working for something. When you're looking at it, you're like, I'm working, and I know I'm going to fail. Anybody experience that level of exhaustion? Yeah, I, I'm gonna, this is not going to work out, and yet I've still got work to do. Jesus did the work, accomplished it for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, let's go ahead and take a look at it and be brief here with this. Hebrews chapter 4, it does point to us, this is important for us to understand, it points us to our ultimate rest, our eternal rest, our eternal Sabbath. In heaven, We'll just read a couple of verses, starting in verse 1 and then 8 through 10. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any should seem to have failed to reach it. For if Joshua had given them rest, speaking to the people of Israel coming out of the Exodus, God would not have spoken of another day later on, but which he did. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, the eternal rest. For whoever has entered God rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. God worked, has a rhythm and a flow. Jesus finished the work and God is giving us a vision, a lens towards the ultimate Sabbath rest. So when we experience our Sabbath rest in this life, One of the things that reminds us that we can celebrate that Jesus did it and it helps us celebrate there is an eternal rest coming because we can get an amen to this. Can this life sometimes, even though we have the joy of Jesus Christ, be hard? Can it be hard? Won't it be nice when there will be no more tears, when the work will always be productive versus sometimes unproductive? Amen. That is coming. And he wants us to reflect on that and have that. Let's look at the mirror. The mirror helps us look at ourselves. We have the biggest blind spot a lot for ourselves, right? If you ask me to point out other people's flaws, (laughs) just how much time do you have? if, If you ask other people to point out my flaws, they're like, there isn't enough time, right? But if you ask me to point out my own, especially sometimes in our immaturity, We sometimes see our flaws as our strengths, and we're all confused, and the people are like, you need help, let me tell you what they are. Sometimes that's our own blind spots. God's word can be a mirror for us, and the commands can be a mirror for us. Here's a thought. Left to ourselves, we will not create the necessary day of rest kind of goes back to it a little bit but it's kind of one of our premises that we're saying that God is creating this we have our tendencies right we have our tendencies one of the tendencies you will see that is repeated in scripture by the way we saw part of it it's repeated in scripture and it's and it's known by our kind of just paying attention is either we will ignore it and despise it God's command for the Sabbath day for a rest or because we will become very very religious Right? We'll become, we'll be very good at this. We will make it very legalistic, and we will make it a burden that it was not intended to be. You don't have to turn with me on this one because it's going to be hard to find quickly. If we look to Amos, one of the first writing prophets, look at what Amos he was he was a prophet to Israel, right? Prophet to Israel, you know, at past the Exodus, they're going out to Israel, they're starting to you know, lose their way, they're apostatizing. He calls this out. Amos chapter 8, verse 5, saying, this is what the people were saying. If you listen to them around the, uh, you know, the proverbial water cooler or the well, this is what they were saying. When will the new moon be over, i.e. the feasts and the festivals, that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with the false balances?" God is not interested in us religiously saying, got an hour left to the Sabbath being done. You know, the minute is done. You know, I, I'm going to send that email out. I'm going to get this sale done. I'm going to execute this thing. The children of Israel were saying, got to stand by, got to wait, got to wait out the Sabbath. Can't do this. If I did this, my neighbors are going to look bad at me. And it is. They didn't have the heart of the Sabbath. Their heart was, I don't want to rest. This actually annoys me. It frustrates me because what I want to do is go about my business. Whatever my business is, I want to sell some grain. I got grain sitting here. There's buyers sitting over there, and I don't want to wait till tomorrow. They despised it. And Jesus himself, in his time, it started to shift a little bit, right? You had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were like, if this is God's command, we're going to add this, 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 to the point where you can look in Matthew chapter 12, maybe we'll have time, we'll read it, maybe we won't. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field, the disciples are hungry, they pick up some grain, they start eating it, and the the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you guys just ate something on the Sabbath day. You broke the rule, da, da, da. And Jesus was several times accused himself of breaking the Sabbath. Because they didn't have a Sabbath heart. It was a legalistic heart. It was a works heart to show how great I am. So we have these tendencies. And our mirror, we've got to take a look if we're one that maybe would naturally despise it. And just like, oh, fine. Got to do something on the Sabbath. Or, oh, I'm going to do nothing. Nothing. And I'm gonna catch anybody who is. Neither one has anything to do with what our Father is saying about the Sabbath. A few observations. Some of these maybe have already come out, but it's good to maybe articulate them specifically. There is limited conviction. If we look at our day and age, I said one of the reasons this one's most difficult, because it is, you can maybe get in trouble preaching on these kind of topics. What does it really mean when was the last time one of us, and it may happen, so I don't want to be too broad-brushed, but just just give me some freedom in the words. The amount of times we're convicted over breaking the Sabbath is probably not as often as might be convicted for stealing or somebody who was murdered, they might have some conviction. This is one that's kind of just loosey-goosey. Lack of knowledge, sometimes leads to a lack of conviction. We don't understand it, which is number two. Part of the reason there's a lack of conviction is there is a significant confusion in what is the Sabbath? What does that mean? What would it look like to keep the Sabbath? That'd be a good question, right? We took a sheet of paper out right now, say on the top of your paper, right, what does it look like to keep the Sabbath? And we have everybody answer it and we take it. We might have a pretty, you know, pretty diverse set of commentary. What does it look like? It's maybe a little bit more difficult than a few others to really be specific with. So we understand that. Third, it is our culture. The culture that we're in right now is a culture of busyness. It is a culture of activity. It is a 24-7 culture, right, nonstop doesn't matter what time of day, you can find all kinds of things going. Is the press on all of us to make things simpler and easier and slower? Did technology make our lives slower, easier? Did the robots make us work less? No, right? It's, if anything, it's created more things to do, more places to be, because we have a car, we can now get to 57 places in a week. Before, we had to maybe limit it to eight as far as the horse could go or as far as we could walk. Life has gotten more complex. Not responding to someone now is just, it's a full pop. Before, well, they had to come see you. They had to drive out to see you. And of course you respond. They're standing at your door. Now they send you a text. And if you don't respond, you are rude. I get lots of texts. I am very rude. I don't want to be rude, so I am going to be busier, apparently. Right? A little challenging. We have the wonderful opportunity to keep up with lots of people. They even put a name to it, right? Facebook. It's a wonderful, beautiful, blessed thing. It is a huge curse and a demand and a tyranny also to many at the same time. All good things. Texts are great things. There are times where texts were just the thing that blessed my day. We are getting busier. What is often happening on the seventh day, the day of rest, is it's just a different form of activity. I may do emails in my shorts versus in my suit. You know, I may you know, cut the grass yeah, I may get groceries, I may this, I may that, I may just watch more professional sports in the afternoon versus at night. They made it more convenient. It's at 1 o'clock versus 8, 30, or 9 o'clock at night on a Monday. Kids sports, we can start them earlier. We can start them as early as 10 or 11 o'clock because it's a day off. It's just shifted. It's not become a day of rest. It's become just a day of slightly different activity. One of the observations for me is a mirror that we need to look in my life. I'm talking to me here first because this is, as you know, I hope you know, this is not preaching because we got it. This is preaching because it's preaching to my soul and I am just as struggling in this life and God will give us grace and victory in his spirit. Amen. Amen. If we put effort in, he will bless the effort. He will make us capable. Turn at Exodus 16. This is important. One idea is that we forget. We are more active. We do more. Subtly, there is this lack of faith in that. I have to get this done. If I don't do this, it won't work out. You don't understand. If this business plan does not get out, everything will fall apart. It has to get done. It relies on me and my activity and my productivity. Exodus 16, let's just start in verse 26. Here's what was told prior to the uh, Ten Commandments. Here's what's told to the people of Israel as they were going through the desert. Six days in the Exodus, six days you shall gather it, the manna. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be None. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather because they have no ability to hear. Uh, They found none. Shocking. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Pay attention. This is the way he views us. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Not requiring you to He has given it to you. It's a blessing. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. What happens in our life a lot is we are those people, right? We are like, I I got a lot of work done the first six days. I did the first part of the command. I was very productive, but this is a tough cutthroat world. There's all kinds of things going on. I feel a little bit behind, you know, in order to honor my family, in order to get things done, in order to get the grass cut, in order to do that, in order to be all that I need to be. Maybe I'm not as smart as the guy next to me or the lady next to me. Therefore, I got to work a little harder. So I got to go get manna on the seventh day. That's, I have to. I, I'm a little bit behind. You know, sales aren't adding up this year. You know, I, I need a little more activity. I need a few more calls. I need a few more of this. I need a few more of that. I got to go out and get my manna on the seventh day. It is a la- If we have worked hard, this is, remember, why we said the first part was very important. Is predicated on being productive. Take five days off and like, oh, it's all due Monday morning. I forgot. That's not what God's looking for, right? May not bless all of that. Productive. Now it's time to rest. He has provided. He will provide. Our activity is not what is putting food on the table. God is. Amen? He wants us to be productive. But it is not our productivity that determines what we have. It is God who gives, God who grants, God who blesses, God who will provide. God the provider. Therefore, we get to rest. This is not another to-do. This is a rest for the weary, an ability to say he will provide. And we need to live in that. Can I tell you the modern-day uh, man of story? This is a Milavanchi of uh, you know man of story. Yeah, This way life goes. This is the way a uh, preacher and family can get off track. We were here at church. We were literally here at church. We were talking to a lot of people. There was activity after. We were going to be running a little bit late because we stayed quite after. And there was a number of discussions. So we needed to go somewhere you know, pretty quickly thereafter. And we we're in the car and the kids, everybody's hungry. Um, you know, Mom and dad took too long after church, right? The normal stuff. And we we're like, all right, we got to get lunch. So we're like, all right, we got to get lunch. We're driving down Montrose and, you know, can't find a place for lunch, right? There's only 752 of them right down, you know, 18, which is a bit of a problem. If there was one, we'd know where to go. But there was not. So dad turns in. Dad's got a kind of noise. People are talking this, saying this. Dad's smart, right? Dad likes chicken sandwiches, and Dad likes Christian businesses. Yeah, this is great. It's perfect. I got this idea. I'm like a genius. I'm pulling down, passing through here, and I'm like, I pull right into Chick-fil-A. I go right in there, pull right in, and I'm like, where's all the cars? What's going on? And the kids are like, Dad, this is Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sundays, Remember, this is a guy who loves chicken sandwiches and loves Christian businesses that got, you know, some chutzpah behind them and makes some decisions that others don't. And my first thought was, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. (laughs) That is absolutely ridiculous. I need chicken sandwiches now. And then the second thought was, you heathen. You know, I was like, "Uh, what is wrong with you. I actually know the owner of that one, and these people are struggling in a society where they are deciding to work only six days and trying to make up sales and profit margins and pay taxes where everyone else has got seven. How many of us want to try a business that way? That's some tough stuff, right? And to stay committed to that and to do it and to excel, and by the way, they destroy a lot of their competition. It's one of the most sought-after franchises, amen, praise the Lord. We can get off. We can get off because of the tyranny of our busyness. Because of our lack of... If it would have been open, I'm right there. I'm getting that chicken sandwich. I probably went to Wendy's. I don't know where we went. But we went somewhere. We went somewhere. And unless the Chick-fil-A story was there, I don't know that I thought about all the people working and everybody there for the consumers. Just for the consumers. So a great movie... Great movie, Chariots of Fire, right? Yeah, You can't go through a sermon like this and not bring up Chariots of Fire, right? Yeah, Great movie, great story, but a bit controversial. Great Scotsman, Eric Liddell, going 1924 Paris Olympics. He is a great runner. He's supposed to be the 100-meter. He's going to be the golden boy. He's going to get the gold medal for sure. Well, he's going forward, ready to go, and they find out that the trials for the 100-meter dash, which he's the absolute favorite, are on Sunday. And Eric taking the Sabbath very, very seriously in his life, says that's going to be a problem. And most people say, okay, problem meaning small p, you know, like, we'll work around it. We'll figure something out. We'll make sure you have a Bible next to you. We'll bring a chapel on the plane with us. We'll do something, you know, and, and you can have your Bible time and church time and and then you can go run real quick. These things only take like 11 seconds or 12 seconds and then you can go back out. This is going to be problem little p, Well, he goes to the heads of the entire government, Scotland, you know, everybody. They're like, no, 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 you know, you got to run. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to run. You know, problem, big P. I'm Chick-fil-A. Before there was a Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to do it. They couldn't believe it, right? Of course you're going to do it. This is just going to be, no, I'm not going to do it. Just to give you the beautiful part of this story, they found out there was another race, the 400, which he doesn't run, which is a big difference than a 100. No one runs a 100 and 400 really modern day. He runs it. In his trials, he didn't do real well. He qualified. Somebody gave him a little note right before he runs. So he's like barely hanging in there because he doesn't run this race. He doesn't have the stamina. He's got speed but not stamina. And someone gives him a note right before he runs. Who honors God? God will honor. And he runs, and they say he ran as if he was possessed, and we said amen. He was possessed of the Holy Spirit. That boy ran, and he won, and he set a modern record for that day. But here's where it gets complex, because I love that, right? It's the rah-rah, it's fantastic, it's a joy. The question really is, could Eric have run? Could Eric have run? Well, the Bible does say really nothing about what, how are you defining work? How are you defining this? Could he have ran? This is where those of us that want to, I've got to leave with the five things I'm supposed to do and the five things I'm not allowed to do, and then I know what I can and what I can't. The problem here is it's a principle. Keep the Sabbath holy. If you're asking me, and I mean this is dangerous ground now, if you're asking me, could he have ran, I would say to you, he could have. You know why? Because Eric didn't want to. He had the heart of the Sabbath. His heart was for his Lord. Could he have ran? He absolutely could have. Some of his own quotes, I have it written down here. When they asked him, why do you even like to run? He goes, I run because God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. In that spirit, in that heart, could you run? Probably, probably, because you've got a Sabbath heart. But if his heart would have been, I got to do this for king and country. You know, it's got to be required of me. I got to get this done. I kind of like the fame and fortune. I can do all this, do all this. I got to prep. I got to do this. I got to have no... Maybe that person, Eric number two, couldn't have run. Couldn't have run. It's tough to know specifically. But what we do know is that God created a rhythm and we need rest. That is the mere... I will tell you this, there's a brother here, Harry, who, who has gone on to his reward. He used to tell me all the time, he knows my life has a tendency for a little bit of busyness, and he would tell me all the time, you've heard me say this before, Stan, the acronym for busy is being under Satan's yoke. Satan doesn't go to a church, you know, he doesn't go to a church of believers and say, Jesus Christ does not exist. That's not typically what he does. What he typically does is, yes, Jesus Christ is true and tries to drown him out with noise and activity and busyness. So the still small voice of the Spirit just gets smaller and stiller and drown it out. He knows better than to come and tell me Jesus isn't true, but if he can keep me busy, oh, he has won and he's smart. And he's smart. So that's the mirror for me, right? We have to understand that, take a look at it. Let's take a look briefly at the window, which is our application, our implementation. If you're looking for ways to implement and apply and talk a little bit, we will. To profit from the Sabbath, we must feel and have a deep conviction of it. We cannot, without a conviction of what the Sabbath means and understanding, and it's something in our heart, we cannot profit from it. We cannot. It'll help us remember and celebrate Jesus' work. And if you want to know why the church moved from Saturday to Sunday, the Sabbath, we'll get into this in a second, just briefly, it is because Jesus rose again on Sunday and celebrating the finished work, celebrating it, the deep conviction that he rose again and he finished it for us and there's coming a Sabbath rest. We have to have a conviction that God wants us to rest. And it is good for us and it honors him. Number two, practical people, right? You must plan. We will not, by hip and skip, and just by, how are you gonna, what are you going to do on Sunday? I'm just going to feel it out. Just going to kind of go with the flow and see what happens Well, if we go with the flow and we show up at 3. I decided to go to church. When did you decide to go? 3.15. Was there anybody there? No. You want to worship with other believers? You have to put it in your calendar and say, um, when are the other believers getting together? 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock for Sunday school, 10 o'clock. If you want to worship with other believers, you have to be here at 10 o'clock. We must plan. It is not godly and holy to go, I'm, I'm, I'm free-falling this. I'm, you know, I'm free-forming it. I'm, I'm, wherever I'm going here, we plan. We also plan for our work. If we want to have a seventh-day of rest, we should plan our work. Plan Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Be productive. Plan the Sabbath. Plan what we want to do in the morning. Plan a bit what we want to do. I'm not saying we can't be you know, spontaneous. Or amen. But a plan. We want to be spo- The best spontaneous people are those who have a plan, by the way. Because then they can just adjust it. They can just adjust it. These are the two words I want you to know and leave with for sure in this idea of the window, the application. It is engage. Engage and escape. The engage part is we have to have focused activity. I just mentioned one, church. Church, when God says keep the Sabbath holy, it means set apart means special, maybe you can throw the word unique in there. We do not get the blessing of having corporate worship, all of these beautiful people together on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It doesn't happen because life has its own rhythm. The rhythm is that Sunday, in this culture, Sunday we can. That is special, that is unique, and we can engage corporate worship. It's a productive thing we can do. We can get into corporate worship, and we should and it's unique, and it's special. And we should not lose it. It gives us part of our Sabbath rest to worship together. Our rest is not to not do anything, it's do the things that feed our soul, feed our minds, and rest our bodies. What else? Prayer, Bible study, meditation, fellowship. There are focused activities that we should plan. Focused fellowship. Some of this is a lost art, some of this is just an art. I will tell you in in a... gone by a year, I can remember more of, you know, you would get together in the evening with other believers. You might go to church in the morning, but then in the afternoon and evening, you'd get together with other believers. And the topic often was the sermon. And, you know, I guess every once in a while, it'd be a critique of the sermon. And for those that get together this afternoon, you should have ample material and you should be very, very good to go. But what the idea was, was to actually implement. We, we heard a one-way dialogue, right? It wasn't, we were just hearing this monologue. What do we do with that? What does that look like? How do we do? And the fellowship of believers over some good food and drink was, what do we do with what we heard? What does that look like for you? I'm struggling with this, with kids, with this, with jobs, with debt. What does that look like? That fellowship is a part of the Sabbath. That would be restful and helpful. Visiting others. Engage. Escape. Escape is the focused rest. You know, they talked about the tyranny of life, right? The emails of this, the that, the errands, all those things. We need to plan to get out of those. If we do not plan, there will be more to do than we have time. So with a good plan and with a trust and a faith, we just need to focus, escape, and stop. It is important that we do. If we don't, we wonder why so many are frustrated, maybe some anger, depression, anxiety, exhaustion. This is permeating our culture, and the pharmaceutical companies are having their day. A part of it is because not that these people are weak. Any of us that fall to that are weak. Not that at all. A lot of that is that this life, nobody is strong enough for it. Nobody is strong enough without rest. Our bodies, our minds, our souls need rest. We need it nightly to sleep and we need it on a Sabbath. God wants it for us so we can live our best life and we have to escape. So go back to the, you know, could Eric Little have run? He could have. If you enjoy running and you're a good runner and that's good for you, for me, that would be torture. I can tell you right now, you tell me to run and you tell me, hey, what are you going to run on a Sabbath? Why don't we pick you up? And, ah, that's not good for me, right? For somebody else, I can imagine Eric Little Sabbath might have been a a Sunday afternoon, and he's going for a run. Why? Because God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I meditate on God. I hear him. I feel him as my footsteps are going, and I see his creation, and things are blocked from my mind. And I think of some of his stories in the Bible, and I think of heaven. If that's who you are, then by all means, let your Sabbath be a Sabbath that runs. If you're a hiker and you love the beauty of trees and nature and other things, amen whatever, if you like a good book, it is to each his own. Matter of fact, Paul went through this, and they said, you know, well, which day is better? Romans, uh, I believe it's Romans 14. Uh, Someone might correct me if I'm wrong. He said, it's it's not one day or the other. You know, one esteems this day, another esteems this day. This, by the way, answers the Sabbath, a Saturday or Sunday question. Paul said, it doesn't matter. If you esteem Saturday, go have a Sabbath Saturday. If it's Sunday, go have a Sabbath Sunday. Our culture has just made it more convenient for a Sunday, and that's what the early church did, so that's why we use that. We didn't fall into that. It's proactively done. But could we do it another day? Of course we could. And for the pastors and the full-time teachers and the doctors and the others, they need their Sabbath sometimes is Monday because they're working on the Lord's Day, if you will, and they need a Sabbath rest as well. And I'm very, very thankful for some of the larger churches. We have one just down the street that has Saturday and Sunday services. I'm very thankful for that for some because their jobs and their commitments require them. ER people, others, they require them. We have some in here that things require them and they have a place to worship on their day. But God wants us to escape into the things that recharge us. The only one that I will call out maybe very, very specifically because I think it's unique to this culture and this time and place, is our phones. Our phones have become a bit of a slave for us, and we can get rid of a lot of stuff, but the tyranny of that phone and what we can do through it and the web surfing and everything else, just with our phone, there's almost no time to be unplugged. Right? You know, some of the great musicians, right? They got all their stuff. They got all their electronic gear. And, air, and when you hear it for a long... It's beautiful, but when you hear it forever, six days a week plugged, how many of us like to hear, you know, somebody like Eric Clapton unplugged at once, right? It's like, let me just go acoustic. Let me just go without the electronics and technology. Just quiet it down a bit. So just let that be a thought. It's a thought for me, and it's important to me. Sometimes I feel like I got to have my phone, and no matter what work, emails, and other stuff, it's like... Uh, I need that time away. I need that time off. Sunday is the common Sabbath. It can be whatever day. Do not argue about that. Do not look at that. The main point for window, it is never, ever a burden. It is never a burden. If it's becoming a burden, we're not doing stuff, we're off. We need to embrace it and love it. The question for you and me, will this activity steal my Sabbath freedom and push me towards the tyranny of the six days or will it free me up? Will it help me think on God, be in communion with him, refresh, recharge, give me my joy? If the answer is yes, that is a part of your Sabbath work, part of your Sabbath day. If the answer is no, get rid of it get rid of it. There will always be work. There'll be works of piety. There's always going to be works of mercy and works of necessity. Do not judge others because of what they have to do on a Sabbath rest. They will get another day. They need another day. There are people that are required to do things. Utility companies that have to run for society for us to run. God has given grace and knowledge for that. So we conclude and we bring it home. The 10 commandments are given us so we know God and can have fellowship with him properly, and in joyful fellowship with him. And he's given us the commands so that we can be our best self. We can have a joy-filled life. We should smile probably more on the Sabbath. We should have more parties on the Sabbath. We should have more fun on the Sabbath, because that is what God wants, rest for our souls. To do that, we need to work and be productive, right? Yay, six days? Yay. And therefore, there's got to be a counter, the rest, the rest for it. Escape and engage. The engage, by the way, is the easier one. What to do, what not to do, don't ask me, right? It's hard. Look deep, the spirit will guide you. That's for you. The spirit will guide you, and it might be different for a different one of us. Closing thoughts, in our freedom, knowledge, and affluence, are we getting closer to God's holy precepts, or are we using them, our freedom, our knowledge, our affluence, to get further away, to rationalize and slowly get further away? It's a question. And the thought, the concluding thought, Pastor Mark Driscoll had a concluding thought that I came across, and I thought I would read it to you. He says it this way. He said, God is saying to you and me, look at your whole life. Is it working in a fruitful, joyful rhythm? Productive, yay, including productive rest. Resting in me, your God, enjoying me, your Father, The life that I have given you, the people I have surrounded you with, are you enjoying it? Amen. This is the essence of the Sabbath heart and that God desires for us to live, not as a burden or as a yoke, but as a freedom and a release to his honor and glory and to our benefit. Let's pray together. Father God, you've given us much here, and Lord, we trust that you will guide us going forward. We will come across moments where we're going to be confused as to should we, should not we. We ask, Lord, that you pour your spirit into our lives, that you give us a vision of you as our provider, that we have faith to live differently, that we have faith to live productively, that we have faith to rest. Lord, allow the people here for us to continue to come together in corporate worship and to assist each other in fellowship to spur us on to love and do good works. We ask, Lord, that we are a glory to you and that you will help us find our rest, not only weekly, but eternally in you. In your name we do pray confidently and with all due respect. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.